0: Welcome to the 90th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk about players who are returning from injury in 2021 and what we should expect from them in 2021 and moving forward and also how we should react to the pre-free agency cut markets with veterans being cut due to the salary cap. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the beginning of March, and there's really not too much to talk about fantasy football-wise right now. Honestly, um, we're waiting for a free agency. The draft is still a few months away. There have been a few trades, but nothing really on the horizon right now. There's still quarter. There's going to be a lot of movement over the next the next week or two with veterans being cut, salary cap. Uh, being a really big issue for a lot of different teams. you already seen a few of those this week. We'll get into them. But like Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Van Noy, Jared Cook, uh, players like that, the veterans that are relatively replaceable to most teams um, will be getting cut from these bigger contracts that they signed while they were in their prime. And it's, it's going to be a lot of movement around the NFL, and it's going to be very telling for fantasy football. But one thing that we want to focus on today is talking about the players that may have been forgotten about a little bit and what their dynasty value might be and what we should expect from them moving forward. Um, Players like CMC, Odell, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, uh, amongst others. Um, Players that just missed either the majority of or all of last season and are now looking to come back healthy and kind of bounce back next year. We actually do have a lot of big names that were injured last year, but obviously you have the two pretty much headlining guys One missed pretty much the entire year. The other one was in and out of the lineup and just never really was able to stay healthy. Uh, Saquon and CMC. Tyler, of those two players, which one are you feeling more confident in going into 2021 and pretty much in the future? Which one do you prefer between Saquon and CMC?
1: Yeah, I still look at Christian McCaffrey as the number one, the 1.01 guy in next next year's draft, whether it's redraft or Dynasty. I just you know we we saw a little bit a very small sample size of him working with Joe Brady in his new offense and um you know in that small sample size he really went off like i don't i don't really want to pull out the stats cuz i think he played like 3 games total but when he was out there he was electric like he, you could see that he was borderline mvp cmc like the same thing, same stuff that we saw in 2020 or 2019 so um i really don't have any questions as far as like what to expect with Christian McCaffrey? Like he's still the clear-cut number one guy. The thing is about Saquon is that he's coming off an ACL injury, so I have a bit more of concern about that. Um, thing is, like he he's a prime athlete. Like he's he's an exceptional athlete overall. Um, he's just a, he he works hard. Like he he grinds. He's um, he's just one of those guys that I expect to bounce back from an ACL injury. But um, obviously, the the offensive scheme isn't ideal with Jason Garrett being his offensive coordinator, um, and just the fact that still having the ACL injury is is much more concerning than um, than Christian McCaffrey's injury. I believe was it a shoulder injury? For he, had, a,
0: uh, he had what, like an ankle injury, a shoulder injury, uh, just just a few. He had nicks and bruises that kept him from playing. Especially, I think he could have played near the end of last year but they really just held him out. Cause like, what's the point? You're not exactly. going to win anything. Uh, just let your guys play. And they got to see a little bit of Reggie Bonifon, Rodney Smith, whatever. Um, yeah. I don't really know how much you can read into Christian McCaffrey's injuries. I don't expect them to be a concern this year, um, but I agree with you. I think Saquon definitely, although his upside might be the highest out of anybody, honestly, just because of the generational athlete and the generational talent that he is, um, I don't know how you can put Sa- or Saquon above CMC. I think there, Saquon is still going to be a little bit undervalued relative to what his upside is. There's very few guys that can finish as the number one overall running back, and we know he has the talent to do so. But CMC still definitely gets a nod. I think Joe Brady staying, like you mentioned, really helped CMC's case a lot. And, I mean, Curtis Samuel, who is getting some receiving touches, Mike Davis, who is getting like 250 touches this year. Um, both of those guys gone, so – the deck is clear for Christian McCaffrey to get another 350 touch workload. Now, will the Panthers do that? I don't know. But I could definitely see CMC, as long as he's in Carolina, they don't trade him for Deshaun Watson or anything. I could see CMC having a really, really, really good season again. I think both of these guys, I'm like ready to take them in pretty much any draft. Like I, I'm, I'm still very, very high on the talents that they are. I know you kind of want to try to get younger at the running back position, but I don't think anybody from this past 2020 draft class comes close to these guys as football players, at least not yet. So, I think these are still really the top dogs in fantasy football and if you can get your hands on them, you got to do it. They're just that talented.
1: Absolutely. Like, it, it's a, no question about it. Like, um, I don't think there's really any concerns as far as injury for CMC. With Saquon and Dynasty, you know, he might have somewhat of a down year coming off of the torn ACL, but, uh, you know, long term, it's not really a concern because, like, like I said, he's He's just a freak of nature. He said that He's a generational athlete. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm not not overly concerned about Saquon. And you know, as far as the the younger running backs that could kind of that could um, that could like that could rival them as far as being the 1.01, um, you know, they, they're just not as talented as the Saquons or the Christian McCaffrey's. Like Jonathan Taylor's in a great situation but I'm going to take the talent over, over the situation 10 Absolutely. times out of 10. Put uh, CMC whatever.
0: or Barkley on the Colts. <laughs> it's yeah. game over. Yeah. Literally. like That would just be scary.
1: Jonathan Taylor is a great prospect too. Like, don't get me wrong, but um, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon are just um, – McCaffrey is a, a fantasy cheat code, and Saquon is just like – like as far as talent, one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's just how I feel as far as um, the younger guys compared to these top two guys.
0: Yeah, talking about uh, pretty much a, not an older running back, but he's going to be going into his second contract this year is actually Joe Mixon. And I, I don't really know what the case was with him. He had like a foot injury, like a mid-foot sprain, and he just wasn't able to be healthy. And then the Bengals were also so bad once they lost Joe Burrow, there was no point in bringing Mixon back. But he had that one really big game against Jacksonville, had some pretty mediocre games outside of that. Um, What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon next year? Is he someone that you want to value as a top 15 running back with potential to be top five? Or are we kind of out on – or are you out on Joe Mixon being a potential year-over-year RB1 for at least two to three years?
1: So with Mixon, it was a foot injury that took him out. I think it began week six, and I don't think he came back Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season, so he basically missed – two thirds of the season. And, you know, that, that kind of sucked if you drafted him in the first round. Personally, I was never really on the Joe Mixon first round train. Um, the, the offensive line is a really big concern for me. Um, you know, when you have a running back like him, that kind of, he, he plays a lot like Le'Veon Bell. He likes to uh, read his blocks and kind of wait for his blocks to come, uh, to be ready for him. But um, he's a very patient uh, player behind the behind the blockers. And he's, he's kind of reliant on those good blockers. So, um, yeah, with Mixon, I, I need to see the Bengals commit to creating a better offensive line, which is what I think they should do, considering um, the other injury that we saw for the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow, which we'll talk about later. Um, they, they need to commit themselves to getting a better offensive line. And I think that starts with their, their fifth overall pick, um, getting the guy out of Oregon, Penai Sewell. I think that's that should definitely be a priority for if them. Penai he... Sewell? It's
0: Penny Sewell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's boy. all good. We're, we're just getting into draft season now. So we're we're going to be real familiar with all these other positions that aren't receivers or running backs uh, by the yeah. time it's draft season. But, yeah, no, I, but, I agree.
1: Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, they have the capital to – commit themselves to the offensive line and kind of solidify it it's just about doing it and like you know at, at pick five you know Kyle Pitts is tempting considering you could have like a weapons juggernaut with Boyd uh mixing Kyle Pitts and having Joe Burrow there but you just saw your two best players on offense get hurt early on in the season so it has to be a priority to solidify that line you had Jonah Williams uh come back this year I think he looked okay but uh, um, you know, there's four other spots in the offensive line to to really hone down on. So um it starts it starts at the beginning of the draft and then you kind of have to um look in the free agency as well to look for other guys. But overall, I just need to it remains to be seen whether he's gonna be um a top ten guy or someone that should be drafted in top ten. As of right now, I'm I'm avoiding that. I would look at him as more of a mid to high RB2. I would be okay with him as my, my second running back. I would actually feel pretty good about having him as my second running back because he's talented. He's 24 years old. He's paired with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, there's other weapons around him, which could look, uh, could look less appealing, but I mean, it, it, this offense can be, it can be very interesting next year. If they hone uh, down on the offensive line and that's kind of uh what I'm hoping for this this offseason so for the Bengals I just I really want to see them get an offensive line because I think that this this offense can really do some damage next year
0: yeah I mean they have the talent T Higgins in my opinion is a true number one receiver or will become that in the NFL Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL Joe Mixon for as much as his production may not match how good I really think he is is one of the better running backs in the NFL I don't know if you want to say one of the best but I think he's definitively in that like top 10 conversation and you look at the Bengals' cap space; they have 43 million in cap space this year. So you can make a pretty, you can get a pretty decent offensive line with that money. You just have to spend it the right way. I would be shocked if they did not pick up Joe Tooney. I'm pretty much expecting that to happen. Just throw like 15 to 16 million dollars a year at Joe Tooney, and then you're strong at the guard positions with Jonah Williams and Joe Tooney. You have a good interior offensive line at least, and you can continue to build out from there. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach free agency, but I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think at this point, uh, assuming that they at least invest a little bit in the offensive line, I like Joe Mixon as a mid to high RB2 with potential to be more, but it's kind of hard to rely on him. Um, And another wild card at the running back position is actually Rashad Penny. Now, this one is a complete wild card, and I'd be lying if I said I knew what the Seahawks were going to do because I don't think the Seahawks know what they're going to do in free agency, in the draft, maybe in trades, if Russell Wilson decides to actually request a trade and leave Seattle. Um, Rashad Penny's very interesting. They drafted him in the first round. He had flashes before he got injured and last year just did not, was not able to see the field. I think he played in maybe like what, one or two games at the end of the year. But outside of that, um, not much from Rashad Penny. Do you think Rashad Penny? at least right now, is a dynasty by low for the upside that he could have in the future?
1: I think so, yes. Um, Coming off of a substantial leg injury, I think that he towards LCL and his PCL um, at the end of last season, end of the 2019 season, so uh, pretty substantial injury, but yeah, I I, I like the the talent that he has. He's a big play guy. Um, You can see that in the middle of the season last year se- or in 2019, they were trying to incorporate him into the offense with Chris Carson there and kind of make a thunder and lightning kind of uh, duo there. But, um, you know, it just ended up not working out because of the injury. Um, but, you know, they spent a first round pick on him. Chris Carson is a free agent this season. So um, if you're going to spend that kind of capital, you should probably rely on your, your first round pick running back to be like the, be the guy in the offense and you shouldn't have to throw money at Chris Carson. So I don't expect them to re-sign Chris Carson. I, I could see them signing like a lower scale player to kind of compliment him, but not necessarily take away the majority of the touches. Um, again, another team that, uh, we t- we discussed this on the pod. Uh, I like the, the idea of Mike Davis going on, going on this team. Um, you know, throwing throwing something like two or three million at him, uh, depending on what other teams offer. He he had a pretty good season last year. He might command more, um, but if they could get him on that kind of deal, that would be ideal. But um, this is another this is another team that needs to solidify their offensive line. I mean, Russell Wilson talked about it. Um, I think he went on a, a show and, and talked about it. But um, he's been hit um, more than any other quarterback over the last nine years, and he's clearly upset about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they need to, they, this is, they have $11 million in, uh, in cap space. So, uh, if they're able to solidify this offensive line, I think that Rashad Penny can be very interesting, but he's a guy that's going to, uh, get a pretty decent workload. He's in the Seattle offense as of right now with Russell Wilson. So, um, I mean, yeah, he's going to be the lead guy. He could be interesting.
0: Yeah. Rashad Penny, pretty much everything that you said, like there's potential there. The draft capital has been there. Um, the opportunity has not really been there, but in he, he's had flashes. So maybe this is the year he puts it all together. Year two off of an ACL injury. And maybe he's he, there's some sneaky upside there in Seattle, I'm not going to lie, because they like to use the running back position. Um, maybe not like a top-tier RB1, but I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe snuck into the top 15 if everything goes his way. There is a potential for that to happen. And then, I mean, that, that's that's a lot of value gained over one season cuz then he'll look good, he'll have the opportunity and they'll probably exercise his fifth year option in which case you have another really good player for at least one more year. So, I like the idea of Rashad Penny as a buy low in dynasty. I think that is someone that you can still try to get and I don't I would be very shocked if they ended up investing a lot of draft capital or uh, free agency dollars in the running back position. So, We'll see what happens with Penny. That's pretty much it for the running backs that were injured last year. Going to receivers, there's really three guys that I want to talk about, and there's one in specific because he's since having pretty much the best start to a receiver's career ever. He's been quite the enigma since then. Odell Beckham Jr. coming off of a torn ACL in a run-heavy offense, but we know he is just such a dynamic playmaker, and you saw how the offense, Baker Mayfield, was able to get comfortable with that Stefanski offense, and it just opened everything up. I mean, Jarvis Landry is having wide receiver one weeks. Rashard Higgins was producing. Donovan Peoples-Jones even was having a few big plays. And they just got everybody involved in this offense. What do you think Odell's realistic ceiling is if he is with the Browns in 2021?
1: I think I look at it as similar to what I what I saw him as last year, like a high wide receiver too. I think that's what is what I saw his upside as last season. Just a guy that can have really big weeks. Um, because of how talented he is as a player, like uh, if, when him and uh, Baker Mayfield are clicking, like they can go on and torch a team for like 200 yards. Um, so that's just the kind of duo that they are. Um, I just don't think that he can do it consistently, given how run heavy this team is. Uh, you know they have Nick Chubb and cream Hunt in the backfield, and it's clear that Kevin Stefanski wants to get this run game going. So. I don't necessarily – I wouldn't trust him as a wide receiver one, but uh, especially going into year two with Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield together, I think that he creates a little bit more consistency. But um, I I just don't think the volume will be there for Odell to be a wide receiver one, a consistent wide receiver one. So I still look at him – if he's on the team next year, I would look at him as a high wide receiver two.
0: Yeah, I think he's really just going to be like a – who do I compare him to? I guess – Someone similar to honestly what Tyler Lockett was last year where there's going to be some big, big, big boom games and there's going to be some really ugly bus games and he's, he's just going to be a game script dependent wide receiver too. That's really what he's going to be. Um, not a knock on Odell's talent. He absolutely has the talent to become more than that. But I just don't see why Cleveland would go away from the offense that worked from them last year. And that was spread it all around. Baker, go through your reads quickly and run the ball when we know we can run the ball. And that it worked. I mean, they had a fantastic team. They really gave Kansas City all that they could. It was a really good game. And I'm, I'm most interested to see if Odell ends up back with the Browns next year, because they're I mean, you look at what their team did last year. It didn't look like they really needed that wide receiver one. Maybe that puts them over the top. But what they really need is a defense around Miles Garrett. So we'll see what they end up doing. I think the Browns are a very, very interesting football team next year. Um, if they, if they have another really good offseason the way they did the year before um, you're looking at a team that realistically could be competing for the AFC crown. I know that kind of sounds crazy right now, but they have the formula, they have the offensive line. They have a confident quarterback who turned into a franchise quarterback by the end of the year. Once he got comfortable in that offense, whew, it was, it was, uh, it was fun to watch the Browns play. Um, But let's move forward to a wide receiver out in Denver. Cortland Sutton tore his ACL very early in the season. And now there's a lot of question marks because Jerry Judy's going into year two. Noah Fant is still there. The quarterback play has been shaky. You don't really know what the entire Broncos offense is going to look like. I know they're going to have Pat Shermer, but I don't know exactly how to feel about this Broncos offense as a whole. But Jerry Judy last year didn't do anything in my opinion that makes me want to say, oh, Cortland Sutton can't be the alpha here. I don't know if he will be, but there's definitely is the potential for Sutton to be that alpha and take a step forward like he did in 2019. So, Tyler, what do you think – or where do you think Cortland Sutton should be valued going into next season? Should he be top 15, top 20, top 25, top 30? Where Where do you stand on Sutton?
1: Are we talking about dynasty or redraft? Uh, dynasty. Okay. So, dynasty – you know, I think that, mm, I think, you know, he, he may be stirring up a little bit of hype right now. I, I don't think that, mm. but, um, you know, Sutton's going to go into this year, uh, first year off of a torn ACL. Um, this isn't necessarily the time that I would want to buy him. I think that he may have a down year considering the quarterback situation that they have right now. Um, it's really up in the air as of right now, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he, with the torn ACL, there's a possibility that he has that down year just because of his the, physic, the physicality part. Um, I think that a good time uh, for buying him would be next year. But um, if we're talking about right now, I look at him as um, outside of the top 20. Uh, personally, I, I'd put him, like, mid-20s, like 23, 24, as far as receivers, just because there's too much uncertainty. The 20 CL is a, is a big question mark. Uh, this is a team that Drew Lock isn't going to be the 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 only quarterback in this quarterback room mm-hmm, uh, definitely going not. into the training camp. Yeah. Like they're they're, I, I think that John Elway is very adamant of getting a new quarterback in there, and they're going to figure out a way of doing that, whether it's th- through the draft or through trade or through free agency if there's any free agent quarterbacks. So, um, this this is a big question mark. It's it's hard to gauge Sutton right now. But, um, yeah, as of right now, I can't put him inside the tw- top 20.
0: Yeah, it's tough to rank him. It's just his upside, in my opinion, is so high because he's so similar to what Kenny Galladay has been, and he just needs that quarterback that is very consistently willing to throw the ball deep. So I think it's going to be very interesting with Sutton. I mean, in 2019, even with Drew Locke and pretty much a t- like a, a, a motley crew of quarterbacks, 124 targets, 72 receptions, 1,112 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, That's impressive numbers, especially with bad quarterback play. Uh, Very few receivers can overcome that and do something like that consistently. I mean, he was doing it week in and week out. He was having really good games, and I'm very interested in Cortland Sutton. I don't know how much the ACL will impact him, but he was injured very early in the year last year. Supposedly his rehab is going very well. And like you said, that commitment to upgrade the quarterback position is what really intrigues me. Um, We've seen like uh, receivers overcome bad quarterback play before. And I think Cortland Sutton is actually one of those guys where he's thrived with bad quarterback play before. Like he's just able to do it. He's a physical mismatch for pretty much any corner in the NFL. He's ridiculously talented with a jump ball. I like the idea of trying to get him now because of all the uncertainty that you mentioned, but is most definitely one of the riskier acquisitions that you can make because people aren't giving Cortland Sutton up for nothing. So you have to give up something worthwhile. Um, I think just a, a smart thing to do would just be to check in on Cortland Sutton's price in your dynasty leagues, because if he's someone that can be acquired for I don't have a name to specifically use, but like maybe like a late, mid to late second round pick. Then this
1: is, this is what I was going to ask you. Like Exactly, what's the, like what's I would love pick?
0: to get Sutton for that
1: right now. What's yeah? What's the pick that you would give up in a in a rookie draft to acquire uh, Cortland Sutton?
0: Pretty much anything outside of the top fifteen. Okay, like. Whether it's super flex or non-superflex, anything outside of the top 15, I'd be comfortable giving up a top 12 pick, honestly. It's risky, but Cortland Sutton's shown you he can be a thousand yard receiver with bad quarterback play in the NFL. So let's say they hit on a on a pick in this quarterback draft. They get Trey Lance, they get uh Zach Wilson, they get either even Mac Jones, like one of these quarterbacks, and they turn out to be good in the NFL. Maybe they trade for a Sam Darnold. If they get a quarterback that is an upgrade over Drew Locke, Sutton very quickly could become or could be the alpha the number one option in a pass heavy offense with a good quarterback
1: yeah i mean he it just could be really good on, really quick it just depends on who who that quarterback could be like mm-hmm. i think that same darnold could, is a, is a pretty big uh is a pretty significant possibility um when you look at the draft you look at the 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 guys outside of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Um, I feel like Zach Wilson's getting hyped up to be the second overall pick. So it's more so Justin Fields or Trey Lance. So outside of those three, is there someone else that I'm forgetting about as a possible uh quarterback? Um, if
0: you're asking Chris Sims, he'll tell you Kellen Mond is the fourth best quarterback in this draft class.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he, he could end up going over there. I mean, they, they can, He'll surely be there at 8th overall, so that's good to hear. Um, Besides that, I I just can't think of another quarterback. I mean, Deshaun Watson. I don't know how realistic that is for Denver to acquire him. I think Um, it's
0: more realistic than people think because what I've heard that Houston wants is they want a defensive star along with a ton of draft capital. So Bradley Chubb fits that mold. Justin Simmons could also fit that mold. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You have a top 10 pick and you could probably throw like one of KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy at them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally would want to keep Judy in that scenario because I think Sutton and Judy can be one of the best duos in the NFL, but Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a realistic path for Denver to acquire Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. It's not something that's being talked about, but like you have the pick. You, you're definitely going to be willing to give up draft cap, but I think John Elway just wants to be right about this quarterback situation, and going all in on Deshaun Watson will guarantee that he will be right about that.
1: That's true. That's definitely true.
0: So, I don't know. I don't think he's calling all the shots in Denver anymore, but he definitely has an influence. I could see Deshaun Watson ending up in Denver. I don't think it's likely, but it definitely is possible, and then if you get Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy with Deshaun Watson, then... I mean, that's scary. That's one of the most fun offenses in the NFL, and they have a pretty decent offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, I I think Cortland Sutton is just – he's such an interesting proposition because there's very few times where you get a player that is this talented in year two, and then he he just tears his ACL in year three, and you don't really know what to do with them because it's only one year of production that he has. But I don't think it's fluky. I I think Cortland Sutton is for real. I think he's a really, really good player in the NFL. And I think he'll come back healthy, like – Players are coming back from ACLs very, very easily nowadays. So I like Cortland Sutton a lot. I like the idea of acquiring him. It's risky, but sometimes you got to take risks. And I think right now his value is probably as low as it will ever be. Um, One guy, a receiver really quick that I do want to talk about here is Paris Campbell. Now, he's dealt with injuries. Haven't really seen much from him. And Phillip Rivers is gone. Um, Is Paris Campbell worth more than anything? Like, is he worth – a mid-third-round pick right now?
1: I mean, being a potential second option in the Colts' offense, I'd have to wait till after the draft. But as of right now, with no T.Y. Hilton, I would say yes because you have Michael Pittman there. Um, you know, you have Jack Doyle as your tight end. You have Jonathan Taylor there. Um You know, I think that they're they're somewhat bought into Carson Wentz. I I believe that Carson Wentz will have a better season than what Philip Rivers just had. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that if he does, like, being number two in that offense would be pretty interesting. Uh, And if Paris Campbell can fit into that mold, if they believe he can fit fit into that, then great. Like, you you can get that for a mid-third-round pick, which – I don't even know who's going in the middle of the third round like uh, yeah it's it's really
0: it's always slim pickings in the third round like it's a third round rookie draft pick for a reason (laughs) like um, Like, you're not gonna get a player that
1: that contributes for your team right now Mm -hmm. so um, I think that Paris Campbell if he ends up being the number two if they don't add any receivers which may or may not happen I think that they end up adding a receiver whether it's re-signing T.Y. Hilton or getting like an Allen Robinson I think that Allen Robinson would would be very interesting for them. Um, if they don't do that, then I think that he, he's worth a mid third round pick. If they do, I mean, he maybe a late third round pick. Not not really looking at it much, but um, yeah. Overall, just like wait for wait for them to make moves.
0: Yeah, Paris Campbell. It's so interesting because I mean, last year he was to start the season. He looked really really good like he looked like a fit for this Frank Reich offense and it, it was very in, I was very enthused about having Paris Campbell on my dynasty rosters um I ended up moving him or whatever but the thing with Paris Campbell now is you're it's pretty much the same thing as a rookie because you don't know exactly what you're getting you don't have much film to go off of in the NFL you have a little bit but it's been a lot of really good coaching to get him open and now you have a different quarterback. It's just such a new scenario where it's pretty much equal to a third-round pick. I'd be fine with either, but the only problem with Campbell is now he has an injury history along with zero proven production. I almost would prefer to take a third-round pick in this class and see how it would turn out because this is a very deep receiver class. Um, But it just depends how the draft capital for all these receivers and running backs shakes out. If there's a lot of these guys that are drafted in round four as opposed to round three, then maybe I would trade for Paris Campbell. But... If these guys are drafted on day one or day two in the NFL draft, then I'm feeling much more confident in them moving forward. Um, I think Paris Campbell is someone that I'm going to stay away from, like you said, until I get more clarity on the situation. Because if he has a chance to be the number two receiver for the Indianapolis Colts, that becomes very interesting. Um, We talked about Joe Burrow a little bit, but I do want to get more into this. He's coming off of an injury, but it's been widely reported that he's going to be totally fine. He's going to be 100% healthy. We don't know if he's going to start – At the beginning of next season, um, is Joe Burrow someone that you'd be buying low on in either Superflex or non-Superflex? Just as your number one quarterback, is Joe Burrow someone that you are actively making offers for right now, given the big injury that he just went through?
1: I mean, if he was available, I am 100% going after Joe Burrow. I just believe in the talent that he has and uh, the talent that he displayed in those first eight games that, that he played. But even before that, when he was playing at LSU, I, I really liked what he displayed on the college, uh, on the college football scene. But um, I really believe that this team ends up making moves to make this offensive line better. I feel like that's a necessity for this offense because they have everything else. Um, but once they get that offensive line, I think the sky's the limit for Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he doesn't have the run, the running appeal that that you would you would necessarily want, but he has the talent that. You, you would love so um, I mean I I see if they solidify that offensive line I see him as a guy that could be it has top five upside Uh, as soon as this upcoming upcoming season he's coming off of I think it was I don't know what the exact uh, knee injury it was but it was torn ligaments but uh, as a quarterback I don't think that he's going to be as reliant on the the knees or as on that mobility as other players are like running backs and receivers so it's not as much of a concern for me. He's, his arm is still attached to his body. Um, there's no <laughs> injuries with that. Like, he's he's still going to be slinging it. Um, as far as what I saw last season, like, I'm, I'm confident in what he can do this upcoming season. So, I have absolutely no worries with Joe Burrow. Uh, as long as they solidify the offensive line, which I'm confident that this team does, to a certain extent. I wouldn't be super but, confident.
0: Um, like, it still is the Cincinnati Bengals. And they've managed Bengals. to mess things up before.
1: Yeah, but like they just saw their two best players on their team or on their on their offense just uh basically were out for season in week 8 and it was single-handedly because of injuries. So like and like Burrow was like Burrow like the Burrow injury was like a clear indication that they needed to like upgrade that offensive line because like like you have a star you have a franchise quarterback now. Like before that it was Andy Dalton it was, uh, they had, they threw in Ryan Finley for a few games. Uh, before that, it was Carson Palmer back in like, what, 2000? 2000... He hasn't been with the team since like 2012, maybe. It's so you, been a long been doing, time. Yeah, that you you've dealt with the mediocrity of Andy Dalton for a while. And like, you know, if you'd lost Andy Dalton, it wasn't the end of the world for you because he wasn't like, he wasn't, he wasn't your franchise guy. You, you probably knew that even though you kept him for like eight years, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow is clearly the guy for them and they need to protect that. So, um, I, I'm very convinced that they'll, they'll solidify that offensive line. And if they don't, then I'll probably be sending a letter to whoever their owner is. And it yeah, sure. I mean, nice
0: <laughs> I'll make you the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's what we should do. I would love to just go all out all seven picks in the draft offensive, offensive line, line, all free agency acquisitions, offensive line.
1: Don't even worry about the defense. It has no appeal in, in fantasy football. Nobody's drafting the Bengals defense.
0: I sound like the fantasy football counselor. Um, but <laughs> realistically with Burrow, I think, I think you, from what you saw last year, you have to be very enthusiastic about him moving forward in that sense, if he's able to return form. But we have seen a quarterback go through a similar injury, Carson Wentz, back in 2017, and he just struggled to regain form. Now, I don't know if that was on Wentz. I think Burrow is a much more confident individual than Wentz. There's no Nick Foles behind him, kind of making him rethink things. So I think Burrow will be totally fine. But there is that question mark of how does he recover from this injury? Not structurally, but how confident is he? in his leg, in his ability to put his right foot in the ground and just drive his foot in order to throw those passes. So that's the only concern that I have with Burrow. Outside of that, he looked like one of the best rookie quarterbacks I've seen in terms of presence, the way he was able to lead a team. It's truly, truly special. Now, I know he didn't have the statistically best season like Justin Herbert had, but I still feel better about Joe Burrow than I did – dustin herbert last year and that's not a knock on herbert i think just what i saw from burrow was very very special as well so it's going to be interesting to see with burrow i personally especially in super flex leagues you want to try to buy him but even as a one into one quarterback league if you want to try to get a cheap quarterback one joe burrow is probably your guy i think he will still be running ball enough to be a top eight quarterback and they they're going to rely on him forever i mean they were on pace to throw the ball 770 times like five games through his rookie year. They just, they're going to rely on Joe Burrow every single year. And I could definitely see him being one of those guys that just is top eight due by volume. And then production will obviously have him go a little bit higher than that. Um, Dak Prescott, he was the QB1 before he got hurt. Percent of chance that you think Dak Prescott is the QB1 overall next season.
1: I would say like
0: 3%. 3% chance that Dak is the QB1. I mean, there's a lot of contestants out there. There's definitely a lot of
1: contestants. There's probably
0: like eight or nine guys that have a chance to be the QB1. Yeah. Like Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, All right. I, Wilson, it. Dak Prescott. I'm naming these guys right now. Um, Jalen Hurts. You
1: say Lamar Justin Jackson. Herbert,
0: Lamar Jackson, um, Deshaun Watson, nine. I got everybody.
1: All right, let's continue.
0: So nine quarterbacks.
1: All right, so I don't know. I would say maybe, All right, I'll adjust it. I'll, I'll say about eight percent.
0: Eight percent chance. Just
1: because. That's interesting. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as bullish on on Dak this this upcoming season um it has nothing to do with his talent overall it's just the fact that this offensive line is so it's it's getting worse every year
0: well they were hurt um, to be fair like they still have a great offensive line when healthy Zach yeah. Martin uh did Tyron did Smith retire L Collins no Travis so Frederick retired retire. the center Zach Martin did not retire you he got- just went on IR
1: but Frederick was last year Mm-hmm. Right.
0: He retired before last year. Oh, sorry. Okay, so they still have their offensive line. They still have three. They have two great offensive linemen. Another good. Two good offensive linemen, and then their center, uh, Tyler Biadz out of Wisconsin. And Connor Williams
1: is still there, right?
0: Yeah, he's the he's the left guard.
1: Okay. All right. So it's it's still pretty good, and they have uh, Blake Jarwin coming back, who's better than Dalton Schultz, which is cool. <laughs> Definitely. Um. Yeah, I'll say I'll say eight or nine percent. Um you know, it's it's about the same as last season, but um you know, maybe they, they end up throwing the ball uh as much, just as much as last season. So um, you know, you're gonna have another year, CeeDee Lamb, uh Michael Gallup. Uh kind of a question mark, honestly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him get traded just because like they he's going into his final year. To New England for one. It,
0: for Stephon Gilmore. And we'll we'll move... No, that's how the Patriots move up to 10 to draft Trey Lance. It's going to uh, happen.
1: I mean, I can definitely see that. I mean, Patriots could definitely use Michael Gallup. Um, he's going into his final year of the contract. Cowboys aren't going to pay him. There's no use in keeping him on the team. You might as well get value for him instead of uh, just keeping him, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb because you're not even using him to his maximum maximum ability, so... Um, you might as well have CD and Amari Cooper there. You have Ezekiel Elliott going into his next year. Um my my real question with this this Cowboys offense is Ezekiel Elliott going into another year after getting a lot a lot of touches this past season. Um I just feel like he's slowly I, I don't want to say getting worse because like the, the He's aging. I mean, yeah, he's aging, but like the margin, like the the rate at the at which he's getting worse is like very slim, but he you could see that he was definitely worse than last year, and it's just because like there there's just a lot of tread on his tires. Like he he was a bell cow pack back in, in college, and now he's played I think four years in the NFL, maybe five, the four or five. So you're yeah, talking I think about he's
0: going into his fifth year.
1: So you've pretty much oh he's going into his fifth years. Okay, so you have three and a half years of being a workhorse in this offense that is uh, relying on the run. Um, you know, that one year where he was suspended for six games. So besides that, he's been pretty much a bell cow all those years. Oh, no, years... he's
0: going into year six. And okay, he's had so over he's had... 300
1: touches almost every year,
0: except that one year where he missed a few games. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of touches. But, exactly. I mean, does, does Zeke – I think Zeke kind of, quote, unquote, getting
1: older a little bit, doesn't that help, Dak? I just think it makes the offense a little bit worse. But – I mean, they also have twenty Power behind him. You know, I, I I'm gonna adjust my my ratings once again. I'll say I'll keep it at ten percent flat. Okay,
0: that's that's the number that I was gonna go to. I think it's like a ten percent chance just because this defense is not very good. They're gonna be better this year than they were last year. But this offense is Kellen Moore just knows how to run up numbers offensively. Now a lot of that is due to the fact that they need a throw all game because they're down twenty four to seven almost every single game because their defense is just not good. But Dak, I, I mean Dak is Honestly, severely underrated in my opinion as a quarterback. I still think he's a really, really good quarterback. Um, probably like a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the NFL. He's probably gonna get paid a little bit more than he maybe should. But you can make the case that Dak is on his way to becoming an elite quarterback in the NFL with how good he's been playing over the last few years. So I think Dak, once again, I agree with you, like a 10% chance. Given that there's nine quarterbacks there, and you probably give Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and maybe Patrick Mahomes a better chance than him. Um Dak Prescott is going to be very, very interesting next year. He's someone that probably won't get drafted that early. I like the idea of getting him. Um, So that's pretty much it with all the injured players. Now I want to touch on a few of the contract situations. So Kyle Rudolph got cut. Jared Cook got cut. Uh, It's possible that Zach Ertz is going to get cut slash traded from the Eagles. So three tight ends to keep on your radar. Irv Smith, Adam Chapman. And if you want to make a big splash at tight end, Dallas Goddard. Could legitimately be a top five tight end next year. I don't think I'm exaggerating in saying that. If Zach Ertz is gone, Dallas Goddard could end up being really good. And I would even take a look if you're in a deep league at acquiring Hakeem Butler. Because he's now playing tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we've seen it before. The transition from receiver to tight end can be very difficult in the NFL. Players can kind of get lost along the way. Um, Darren Waller made this transition. He got cut from the Ravens. For a multitude of reasons, but Hakeem Butler could, I don't want to say he's going to, but he could end up following that same mold, kind of like a low risk, high, high, high upside move. And for a team that uses the tight end as much as the Philadelphia Eagles have over the last few seasons, um, I know they have a new coach, but Nick Sirianni is no different from what I've seen before. He's very involved with this Reich-Peterson system.
1: Um, All from the same coaching tree.
0: Yeah. So both of those guys, Goddard and Butler, Goddard being the expensive high upside, high like top tier tight end, one upside guy, Hakeem Butler being pretty much a lottery ticket at the tight end position. I think they're both worth a shot. I think they really are. If you can try to get Goddard, I would absolutely do it. And Hakeem Butler, if you have an empty roster spot and you just want something to hold on to, uh, his value will go up once Zach Ertz is gone. So try to act a little bit early on that. And Tyler, I do want to talk about the quarterback for your team restructuring. Ben Roethlisberger. So his cap hit is down about 15 million, but he will be the starter for the Steelers next year. Um, are you happy about this move, as a Steelers fan?
1: I mean, yeah. There's like really no other move that they had to make to have to make another quarterback to have another quarterback starting for the team in 2021. So I think that the goal now is to find other players to have their contracts restructured like a Joe Hayden or a Steven Nelson. But um, yeah, I mean, they need to uh, create more cap space and resign resign some of these free free agents for the team. Um, They need to solidify the offensive line. I think that's, as far as spending money, that should be the first priority because like for the defense, for the most part, it's pretty young. Um, Besides Bud Dupree, uh, most of the players are signed. Most of the significant players are signed. Uh, Mike Hilton and Cameron Sutton could, one of them could be signed, but uh, the biggest concern is the, the offensive line and you're really not going to get far as far as your offense without the offensive line. You lost Marquise Pouncey in retirement. Uh, Alejandro Nueva is, Villanueva is a free agent. Uh, Matt Filer, who was a, who was a starter for them all season is also a free agent so those are three starting offensive linemen that have left the team or are not on the team. As of right now, you really only have David DiCastro and other players that filled in um, throughout the season because of injury. So that needs to be covered in the, in, in the offseason, whether it's through free agency or the draft. I think that drafting at pick 24, I believe, I if they don't take an offensive lineman, if there is one on the board, like that's that's gonna be a huge issue. Um, but yeah, like that that's the priority number one. Um, I mean, if you can resign Juju Smith you start a relatively low contract, great. If not, just it's whatever. Like you have Chase Claypool you and have Deontay Johnson.
0: Yeah, I don't think Juju should be a Definitely. priority for the Steelers, personally. I, I think James Washington is capable enough of slotting into the number three role and you just bump everybody up a little bit. Um, and they're, pro- they're probably going to take a,
1: a receiver in the draft just because they see someone. That's just what they do.
0: Yeah. You so. guys will get Amari Rogers in the third round and he'll end up being just as good. Like Amari Rogers mm-hmm. is going to be a good player in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I personally think this move helps the Steelers in terms of, getting better this year, but at the same time, I just don't see the Steelers having a realistic Super Bowl window open this year. I think you guys might need to make a move on a quarterback at some point, whether it's Sam Donald or somebody else in order to get their move forward. Cause the defense is pretty much championship caliber when healthy people underestimate Devin Bush being hurt. Devin Bush and TJ Watt together is so scary. And then you have Minka Fitzpatrick, like you guys have three elite defenders at every single level or at one defender at each level of the three levels. Um, but the offense is going to be a problem because of the run game and the lack of downfield quarterback play consistently. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening. I'll, uh, Steelers are going to be an interesting team as always. You know, Mike Tomlin's going to get them at least eight wins. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think the biggest winners fantasy wise from this, or the biggest winner is Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is someone that you can realistically expect to threaten to be anywhere from a top. 20 to a top 10 wide receiver next year because as long as he's healthy he's talented as hell and Ben is going to throw him the ball whether it's dump offs not dump offs intermediate routes deep routes whatever you need him to do he can do it he can win consistently so Deontay Johnson could end up being once again a really good value in drafts because people like to quote these drops or whatever and the fact that he had a low yards uh, per target but he was getting targeted like crazy unlike Juju so I love Deontay Johnson next year. I think he might still have upper hand on Claypool. It's going to be interesting between those two. Tyler, right now, knee-jerk reaction. With the news that Ren Roethlisburg is coming back, Claypool or Deontay just next season?
1: I mean, is definitely the safe play because you know that he's going to get those targets. Like, over a 16-game span, he's probably going to get about, like, 130, 140 targets. And, you know, he's talented. Like, he he, he can make – he can, make, uh, he can make something happen with those targets. So I'm gonna take Deontay Johnson as of right now. Uh, Claypool's targets could be inconsistent and we really don't know what Ben Roethlisberger's deep ball. So I'd rather trust Deontay Johnson given how uh, the age of Ben Roethlisberger and like his, he wasn't very, um, he didn't throw the deep ball as much last season. So uh, that's just my concern. But when he did, it went to Claypool, and Claypool made plays. But you know, you, you when you have a almost forty, I think he's forty now. Uh, ben, um, when you have a forty-yard quarterback, it's kind of difficult to take the deep threat guy over the short to intermediate guy. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna stick with Deontay here. Yeah,
0: Claypool good. He's still a really good player, and he's gonna be involved for sure. But I just think Deontay still has that potential to get ten plus targets a game. And if you do the math, if he's able to stay healthy every single game this year or this upcoming year as 160 targets, that's pretty much a guarantee. If you get 160 targets, you can almost guarantee that that player will finish as a wide receiver one. So even if he's getting 140, I mean, he's going to be top 15. Deontay is ridiculously talented. He's going to see a ridiculous amount of volume. And that's all you really need in the NFL, or at least for fantasy purposes, to be a really good player. So. That's it for this episode. Hopefully next week, there will be a lot more cuts and kind of reactionary analysis for us to talk about, but this is our opinions on the players that are coming back from either major or multiple minor injuries from last season, moving into next season. Do not miss next Thursday's episode. And then we're only one week away from free agency after that. So NFL news is going to start to pick up a little bit pretty much from March all the way up until May. And then we have our rookie drafts and then it's preseason time and we got to start talking about sleepers, booms, bust and all that fun stuff. So it's starting to pick up a little bit after kind of a a few down weeks after the Super Bowl. That wraps up today's pod. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy where we are posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of Dynasty content to keep you prepared for the NFL draft and free agency.